0: Welcome to The Burner, where I discuss all things agile with colleagues, clients and industry leaders. We will be giving you an honest take on tools and techniques, we'll share our experiences, debunk myths, and hopefully provide valuable inspiration. I'm Marcel Bridge, digital consultant, product owner and business analyst. I've worked in digital before this even had a name and since have been quite a bit around the block. I've seen the good and the bad and this is my way of giving back to the industry. So sit back, relax, and settle in for this week's episode. So welcome to The burn Today I'm talking to Tom Grogan from MDRX Tech. who are part of Mishkonderea. When we met quite a while ago and he said, do you want to come and work for a law firm? Effectively, I was like, yeah, come on, fuck off. I'm not working for a law firm. And then he explained a little bit to me like what you guys were doing um, and why it makes sense to have a a tech consulting firm part of a legal firm or, or, or come together with a legal firm. So I think before we go there, do you want to introduce yourself, Tom, and just expand a little bit like how you ended up in that position? Because you're a lawyer by upbringing, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, lawyer by training. So I started life as a lawyer. I trained at another law firm and qualified here at Michigan as a corporate lawyer. But my sort of passion and my interest was always technology. Right. Um, I taught myself sort the foundations of computer science at university, messed around with a few programming languages and being quite passionate about emerging technologies like your AI, your machine learning, your blockchain, your crypto, those sorts of things. And no one at work cared. Right. It It was just this nerdy side project that I had going. But my joining Mishcon sort of coincided with a few deep tech instructions into our corporate department. Clients were coming in and asking questions about their technology products that were inherently technical in nature rather
0: than, than legal. Can we just talk a little bit about Mishcon De Rea Because they are quite a, is it right to say traditional law firm, or what, because they don't do
1: criminal law? So Mishcon is one of the UK's most prestigious law firms, Yes, long history has been going for around 100 years, particular expertise in sort of private client work. So right. acting for entrepreneurial ambitious people and families and businesses, ultra-high net wealth individuals, had, have had a long history of advising on quite high-profile pieces of work, mm-hmm. particularly contentious. So in the 90s, we were very well-known. We acted for Diana when she divorced Charles. Um, yeah. We more recently acted for Gina Miller over Brexit, mm-hmm. for example. Oh, yes. When, yes, when yes she, I remember she that. She sought, sought to prevent Boris from proroguing Parliament. But tech has been very close to the heart of everything that we do now for quite a long time. My joining the firm, the thing that really sealed the deal for me Mm -hmm. was this document called the 10-Year Vision, which sounds like one of those really stuffy, wanky documents (laughs) that that, that corporates tend to produce. Um, But it spoke to me. It said some really punchy things. It said things like, being a London-based law firm has a barrier to growth which is a really punchy Interesting. thing for a London-only law firm to say. Yes. <laughs> um, it's, it's quite a, a turkey being aware that Christmas is coming statement to make. Yeah, And it talks about moving beyond the provision of law and becoming a, a broad-based professional consultancy that services clients beyond legal advice and moves into all of these other things. So that was the, the main drive for me joining.
0: Interesting, because MXT isn't the only... Consulting part of the business right no absolutely there was not other areas
1: yeah for sure so we've got a few a few group businesses now one of one of the first was uh, MDR cyber which was born of our recognition that clients required advice and help and guidance in relation to their cyber risk our litigation department which is one of London's best if not London's best needed help from a cyber investigatory perspective and Mishcon being quite a I always think law firms and professional services firms are a reflection of their client base. Yeah. We are an ambitious, entrepreneurial, um, quite an opportunistic organization that sees opportunities and, and isn't afraid to go for them. So our then managing partner, now chairman, Kevin Gold, backed that belief that, well, if we can see client demand for it, and we're adding value to them and it speaks to that broader MDR group approach we should just go and do it. So we've got MDR Cyber, our cyber security practice. We've got our brand extension business, MDR brand management. We've got an e-discovery business, MDR Discover. Uh, and we've got a, a multi-family office business in MDR Mayfair. MXT, mm-hmm. MDR XTech, is the latest and now one of the fastest growing of those businesses.
0: So talk to me about that. So you're the CEO of, of uh, MXT and what's what makes this special because incubators tech consultancies i mean they're like a dime a dozen out there boutique or not but when we spoke initially i thought as i said to you initially i thought law firm crazy <laughs> <laughs> stuffy and old but then again looking at you know how mishkonda think about technology and, and consulting it became quite interesting in the sense that you have clients with a legal Complexity somewhere to be solved and addressed, but that's also maybe related in a large number of cases to either building up, setting up a business, or creating a technology product, and that's I think where the the synergy comes into play.
1: Yeah, so we have this we have this three-way Venn diagram that we bandy about internally that has business strategy innovation in one. Yep. Um, We have technology and and technology innovation and and development in another. Um, And the third, which is the the one that is sort of intrinsically linked to the MDR group, is legal complexity and legal innovation. And we have lots of competitors that occupy two of those spheres. Every law firm likes to think that they play in the business innovation and legal. I mean, spoiler, they don't. But in theory, they do. Every management consultancy believes they play in the technology and business innovation because they think they're tech-enabled. Some of them are, some of them aren't. There's lots of law firms, lots of tech houses, lots of no one occupying the center ground. No, no one can bring all three of those components together into one cohesive, meaningful offering. Yep. We hear time and time again from our clients that well, we've spoken to tech houses or strategy houses who have told us that we could do all of these things, but then told us to get the lawyers check in. We've gone to loads of lawyers who have said, well, yeah, we can legally make this happen with no idea how you'd actually do it. The reason they come to us isn't in spite of
0: our having a thousand-person law firm. It's because we've got it. Right. And what, what does that mean from a client perspective? So what are the clients that... Can you make some examples of the type of client that approaches you and what problem they have to solve and how that then looks in, 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 in practice?
1: Yeah, so uh, an example, recently we have a client who is well known in the ent- entertainment industry. He uh, has this sort of very ambitious, very broad plan to ultimately disrupt the way that creative industries fund
0: themselves. Royalties. Is, Ro-
1: uh, uh, royalties, or generally more... royalties. how they distribute, how they reward distribution, right. how they reward the, the individual creative, so the makeup artist, the, the runner, the, the spark, whoever. Right. Um, and has sort of been inspired by the rise of, of distributed systems and blockchains and crypto as a mechanism through which um, to do that he came to us to start with saying how would you do this business and we realized that actually it's you can't really decouple the how to do the business with how to legally do the business yes um there are so many fundamental design choices that you make on like day two of your project that if you get wrong a developer can build you whatever you want you'll go to jail yes Whereas if we can structure it properly and we can make sure that the spirit of the law and the letter of the law is baked into the design, we talk about compliance by design underpinning everything that we do, Yes, um, we can allow him to reach his ultimate business objectives, which is to disrupt creative industry and launch a crypto asset and engage a community while also protecting him and de-risking the proposition from a legal and a regulatory point of view.
0: So what you're doing basically is, because what I see frequently when my teams in the past have built things that legal is always something you do after the fact, Uh, and then you hope that you can somehow force your solution into the legal framework or you you do a fudge to kind of make it work, whereas what you're saying is you make, because it's so intrinsic to that business or that product, you, you, you bring it forwards and have it. The, the legal compliance is part of the journey or the design journey basically
1: yeah and I think, the, I think the olden days of tech doing it at, doing it at the end was sort of okay in a, in a waterfall approach you'd possibly do it at the start but then never look at it again um, <laughs> yes. in, a, in an old school tech it was possibly okay because you just had to put a terms and conditions at the start but in the, the new technologies that we're seeing all of the time so AI and machine learning for example yes. it's hard to retrofit compliance
0: Yeah. I spoke to Niall, one of our colleagues, around smart contracts. And as you know, once that's deployed to the blockchain, it becomes really hard to change it after the fact. So again, you really want legal and compliance before you actually start coding anything. And you want to have that baked in right from the beginning rather than afterwards realizing it actually doesn't work or or creates all sorts of legal risk.
1: And and it's super, uh, totally. And it's super important to make sure that the lawyers are being pragmatic as well, because... The first question I ask is Well, does it actually need to be in a smart contract? And, and if it doesn't, great, we can we yes. maybe defer certain choices until later. But unless you've got both a technologist that understands the legal component and a lawyer or, or legal advisor who understands the technology component, you, you don't get that dialogue and that trade off and that understanding.
0: Yeah, and I think it was interesting when I, the project I'm working on with you, which is about carbon trading and land management, um, again, interesting legal complexity here, less around the, what I thought initially being a a, a blockchain-based project, we actually did not go anywhere near blockchain because we realized it was the wrong solution for the client. But there are still legal complexities in how do you authenticate land ownership and how do you authenticate the right to trade carbon tre- credits and how do you measure them? And what is a carbon credit? Is it a security or not? Is it, a, it what, what is a
1: carbon credit from a property law perspective and a financial regulatory perspective? Yeah, I would say a third of our clients come to us saying that they need a blockchain solution. A lot less than that end up with a blockchain solution because it, it often is round peg, square hole.
0: Yes. And he, because although you guys have a lot of experience in machine learning in in, in blockchain uh, decentralized technologies you don't really care right? You want to do the right thing for the client solve that underlying business problem legal or not but then the technology choice is secondary to that really.
1: Yeah I I always so technology's got to be an enabler yes it's got invariably building something for the sake of using a technology is the wrong way around of doing it and I think we're not the sort of Organization to be given a spec and told to go and build it. There's other organizations out there that can do it cheaper than we can, frankly. Yeah, We're interested in the things where actually it's puzzling through what the problem is, what the solution is, what's the right technology, how are we going to do it and how are we going to protect our client from a legal perspective along the journey. We aren't a um, point at a job spec and deliver it type of organization. We like to co-design it.
0: I think that's interesting because both projects I have been involved with you guys were kicked off by a discovery, really. And that's where I thought actually the interesting bits happened. The delivery afterwards is great, and again, you have very skilled um, talent that can kind of deliver something. But as you say, once actually the discovery bit is done, quite frequently other consultancies or software houses could deliver that as well, maybe. But the real value sits, I think, in the in the problem solving in the in the early stages, and then of course following through really well as as well. We get excited about the problem solving. Yeah, we from experience know that actually
1: continuing to be the delivery partner for the build is the is is usually not always, but usually the right thing for the client because, as you know, as you work through a project, you end up having problems that you didn't know existed constantly, and the 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 yeah. shape of an MVP changes as you're. Understanding of your users improves, and and the sort of realities hit home. Um, But yeah, there there are there are other games in town for that, and we're not
0: seeking to compete with them. So, who would you say are the the clients that you would either wish to have or want to approach going forwards, and the ones that should be coming to you?
1: Yeah. So, so generally, so generally, our our client base is divided into one of three camps. So, there's public sector, which we can almost carve out entirely. But government, as you can imagine, takes a lot of comfort in the knowledge that their innovation projects are being de-risked from a from a legal perspective. Uh, yes. In the private sector, there is then the the well-funded early-stage business that is either seeking to be a new entrant into a market with a new innovative product or is seeking to digitally transform their existing operations, which clearly is not just a software development job. That's, I mean, the software development is very secondary to the business change, business analyst, business strategy work that needs to map over the top of that and the technology just plugs into it. Um, And then the third camp is the hyper-sized, multi-jurisdictional conglomerate that is like a small country. And again, their internal legal teams take comfort in the fact that we're taking care of the compliance as well as doing some cool stuff in the metaverse or with AI or whatever. All of our, I guess, the common thread that that runs through all of them from public sector to, to early stage business is that innovative entrepreneurial ambitious attitude that as i said is sort of in the dna of mishcon and its client base anyone that's seeking to do new things on my first day i met our chief brand officer here a guy called elliot moss and he said something that i'll never forget he said do interesting shit with interesting people and interesting things will happen to you and it's very glib and it's very cute cute it's true, and uh, we, yes. love, to, we would love to work with interesting clients doing interesting things and empower them to succeed while de risking it for them.
0: Yeah, cool. Let's just talk tech and opportunities briefly. So, what do you th- like? What excites you in terms of the next thing in tech, and, and where you think maybe there's really cool opportunities for clients or stuff that's interesting for MXT?
1: I got asked recently what's going to be the biggest invention of the 2020s and my answer was so boring I think it's the battery if we crack the battery so many more things become possible and the way we have our built environment changes and the way we we interact and and operate our lives energy storage absolutely totally so I, I feel like the next frontier is quantum when it comes yeah it changes everything and carries with it such profound legal complexity yes both from a, a cryptography oh, absolutely. perspective yes. through to a, a property... Like if thinking about the way that property rights have been dictated for the last, well, a thousand years in English common law, mm-hmm. how does that match with a reality where something can be at two places at the same time? It's that there are, there are such fundamental legal challenges that quantum will bring that we're, we're, we are, I think, well ahead of the curve, but there's still so many unknowns that we're still getting to grips with. In the next one year, I'm expecting to see uh, in the distributed systems world, DAOs become a real thing. Last year was NFTs. Yes. I feel like I, I see NFTs being interesting, but only insofar as it's allowing people to exert property rights in the digital realm. Once you've got that, then DAOs and proper building of economies in the metaverse become possible and that's quite cool.
0: Yeah, I was thinking, I, I, one, one reason I definitely wanted to work with you guys was the, the thing around legal smart contracts, which is kind of what you just alluded to, right? Um, what's your feeling around those? Where are we with smart contracts and what's the, the maturity of, the, of technologies around that? Is, is that a thing already or is this something that...
1: Yeah, my answer was different if you asked me 18 months ago, mm-hmm. two okay. years ago, but we're there, I think the main, the constraining factor now is people's imagination rather than the technology. And that sounds like, oh, great, it's going to happen. People are uniquely unimaginative. And and we are constantly seeing people that fundamentally miss the point and don't understand that the constraints that they think in don't necessarily need to apply anymore. So,
0: Do you have um, an example? Because that's really interesting. So,
1: for example, most of the stuff we're seeing in the metaverse at the moment is people recreating their... Physical stores in the metaverse, yes, which is just so boring.
0: (laughs) Because Um, we had that in a second life, like exactly. exactly. I know it was fifteen years ago, exactly.
1: And so, uh, I think what we're beginning to see. So, we're, we're acting for one of the world's most famous fashion houses. The trigger for them was when we said, "Well, no, stop trying to recreate what you've got. Imagine that physics wasn't a thing. Yes, then you can have a dress that's on fire." or a catwalk that they literally walk through four seasons. Pretending that physics doesn't exist and therefore time and space differs, that's where things get interesting. At the moment, we're still at the let's create what we've already got. I mean, we saw it with pure crypto. Everyone thought, great, we've got a way of transacting value. What's value? Money. And so we had so-called cryptocurrencies, which were basically just trying to replace the way we do money with crypto. Again, it's just fundamentally missing the point. And it just shows that we're a bit... I don't too.
0: Yeah, it's really interesting. I'm writing a, a blog post series at the moment where, because so many people ask me about what blockchain is and, 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 and currencies, I get really annoyed because people kind of know, they have like half truth, and, and it's just also really dangerous. Um, and one thing I realized is this is actually all about decentralization of transactions and ownership in, and tracking ownership of anything, really. And you can build on top of that. But as you say, just replicating what's in the real world, why, why would you do that? We- exactly. I, I, and personally,
1: I'm less vested in the decentralized component of it. I'm far more interested in the, in the ownership. If, you know, web, yes. web, web one is consume, web two is create, web three is own. Second Life, you could have, you could, I'm sure, pay, I've never played it, but you could pay money and get an extra hat. Yeah. You didn't own the hat. You could pay money and get a house, but you couldn't get a mortgage on it or sublet it. Yes. Whereas if you actually own it, in theory, it's something that can be borrowed against or lent against or, or whatever. All of a sudden, all of the things that we have in our real world become possible because the most fundamental component of sort of a 21st century economy is property rights. All of a sudden, that's possible in a digital realm that five years ago, I mean, it was possible five years ago, but was improbable. 15
0: years ago was just fundamentally impossible. And We've moved past that now. Interesting, interesting. Cool, what's the next thing for MXT? So we're on a, a really,
1: really ambitious, rapid growth curve at the moment. We're recruiting constantly, we're always on the lookout for really talented software developers, data architects, engineers, machine learning specialists, blockchain engineers, um, and then the business analyst, product manager, Uh, UI UX designer roles as well so we're name of the game for us is is to recruit and increase our our bandwidth and our capacity and yeah we're just super excited for the next year to be working with going back to the interesting clients doing interesting things and helping them do it in
0: a compliant manner So where can clients find you if they want to get in touch and just want to have a chat maybe whether you can do something for them?
1: Yeah, of course. Anyone, feel free to to reach out. My email, tom.grogan at mdrx.tech or our website,
0: www.mdrx.tech. Thank you very much for talking to me. And uh, we'll have all the details in the show notes. Yeah, thank you. Cheers, boss. That's it for today's episode. For further details, have a look at the show notes in your podcast player or on theburnup.com. If lean and agile are interesting to you, you may also want to pop by my blog at thedigitalbusinessanalyst.com. I'm very interested in your feedback and ideas and happy to discuss interesting opportunities from consulting to coaching to getting involved in actual projects. For inquiries, please visit theburnup.com. This podcast is produced by Burnup Media Limited under a creative commons attribution, non-commercial, non-derivatives 4.0 license. Which means you can share it, as long as you give credit, but you cannot change it or make money off it. Until next time, thanks again for listening and have a wonderful day.